This is it. This, this is it. Season finale. This season is one. it. Teebs and Kid Phoenix versus Hall of Fame. After this, you're gonna you're gonna be without Teebs and Kid Phoenix for at, at How least. How are you a, gonna survive? I don't How, know. What are they gonna do? I, I guess they're gonna have to Without listen them. to some other other podcasts. No, absolutely not. There are no other podcasts. Or or they can just rerun the first half of season one. They can just they yeah, can just run it just back. Just, just run it back. Back from the top. Just take it you back. Know, just run it back. Get all the juicy morsels. Yes, that you missed the first run. Exactly. Hall of Fame. What are we doing? Who is it? What is it? It's basically ah that shit again. <laughs> We're picking some things that we think deserve particular attention and deserve to be preserved in the... Now, wait a second. In the annals of Teeves and Kid Phoenix pop culture consumption history. What what does the building look... What does the actual Hall of Fame uh, actually look like? Good question. Is it is it more like a library type thing? Or would it would it be like... Something with no with no right angles. I'm telling you what it is right now. I mean, I know no right angles. The thing is as round as a donut, but like we're not fucking art critics. It is a giant video store. Yes, there it is. <laughs> Posters. That's what we're doing. That's candies. what. How much? How much could the old video library building cost in 2000? So actually, no. It'd probably be a shit ton because it's right there on the University of Penn campus. That's true. That is true. But I'm sure there's an old blockbuster we could find somewhere yeah. and stick our stuff in there. But basically, this is stuff that we think is significant and we need to talk about and some of the best stuff. That's Steve's I and Kid Phoenix, of course, as you know. Yeah, and this is just us kind of taking a victory lap with some of the shit that we've enjoyed and uh, consumed in our lifetimes. I have 40 years. He has got, what, 60, 75? Okay, all right. Calm down. <laughs> okay, you're not old. You just have an old soul. Right. Which is just code word for your ornery. That's all that is. Maybe. <laughs> Tiva does not like the millennials. He does not. Moving again, you you keep casting aspersions <laughs> on me and saying things that I don't like. But um, so, are you? Do you want to explain to people kind of what the format is here? What we're going to be doing today, exactly? The criteria, as I remember, we are choosing one thing each from the following categories: movie, television, video game, and character. There's also a spot for a Lifetime Achievement Award that we're also going to get into as well. And the criteria, as we've discussed off podcast, something that started five years ago. We're, we're working it like you have to be, you have to start in 2016 and anything that started then is possible now to be inducted. It's the inaugural Hall of Fame. We'll probably do this every year. We'll de- actually, we'll definitely do this every year because I enjoy mm. this idea very much. Don't get mad at us if you disagree. These are our picks. Maybe we haven't watched, played every video game, show, movie, game in the history of them. Like, maybe we didn't. But I should also say, this is our Hall of Fame. Our Hall of Fame. You have no say over our Hall of Fame. Right. You want to have your own Hall of Fame? Go
go right ahead. Record your podcast. You can use Anchor.fm, the yes, same the same medium that we use, and you can have your own Hall of Fame. Not to sound adversarial, but we don't want people in our menchies because you don't like the picks that we made for our Hall of Fame. Okay, that's it. That's that's right. it. That's that's just it. Come at us if you want to, but we're not changing our selections. Not going to do it. We may make fun of each other for our selections, but we don't want to hear it from you guys. We don't want to hear it. If I want Surf Ninjas as my lifetime achievement winner in the Hall of Fame, then I am doing that. It's it's worth it. How many times are you going to mention Surf Ninjas? About as many about as many times as I mentioned about as many times as I mentioned Congo on this podcast because they're two movies that need to get the recognition that they so richly deserve. Shout out Ernie Hudson. T is just shaking his head, so I feel like we should just jump right into this like right now. Let's go. (laughs) Do we want to start off with Lifetime Achievement? Because I, I feel no. like that's the one where it's just like, okay, that's the one that, you know, that kicks off the show and gets everybody in the right frame of mindset. Like it was the Oscars or some shit. But you know what? We can start with movie. That's fine. Okay. Why don't you kick it off? Okay. I will kick it off with a movie that was released on February 2nd, 2016. Jesus Christ. We got to know the date. <laughs> you don't have to, but you know what? I prepared for this podcast. Like I, I mean, I didn't last week, but this Hall of Fame. I got to be, I got to be on my A game. I have to be on my Hall of Fame game for this one. I can't be bringing my average C game that I brought last podcast. Even okay. though I, even though I think I sounded pretty damn good going off the cuff talking about professional wrestling, but released February second, two thousand sixteen, starred Ryan Reynolds. That movie is Deadpool. Deadpool, one hundred percent in my Hall of Fame. That movie. Okay. That's fine. I have particular feelings about that character. I'm not very fond of him, but uh, I have start. to admit, let's just start the movie. No, I don't want to get into that right now. But here's, I will admit here's, that the movie did have cultural impact. Here's the co- here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. Up until 2016, I didn't really know much about Deadpool outside of like certain like niche circles. Like, I don't know what happened as far as, like, the popularity of the character, but, like, what was the tipping point where people were just like, oh, we need a fucking Deadpool movie? The history of the production of that film is long and storied and how Ryan Reynolds wanted to do it, then nobody would give him money to do it, so he took it around until finally Fox said, okay, you can do it, and then he did it and it became this huge success, and... Now, for the next, you know, 20, 25 years, we're going to have to hear about R-rated superhero movies, how it has to be an R-rated superhero movie. So, whatever, great, fine. Oh, and also, also it means, hold on, also it means that instead of there being 1,000 Deadpools at every convention I go to, now there are 10,000 10,000, yeah. (laughs) Although, I will say, the French made Deadpool kind of the shit not gonna lie i don't know i'm partial to the bob ross deadpool myself the bob ross deadpool is pretty legit too i will say um you talked about the r-rated superhero movie it was the first since blade in 98 right but i don't think that the fact that it was r-rated is that's the wrong message or that's the wrong takeaway that oh r-rated Superhero movies make more money, so let's try to make them all edgier and bloodier and gorier. No, it works for Deadpool. 
but it, it's not going to work for Superman. So, yeah, it doesn't work for Superman despite Zack Snyder's best efforts. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to read, we don't need to go back into that. <laughs> It's well uh, established our feelings. <laughs> it was the first R-rated movie to have over a hundred million dollars in a three-day opening. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, again, a lot of these statistics for modern movies don't really mean a lot because it's just broken right the very next weekend. Not because it's broken the very next weekend, but the numbers are not the same. Twenty sixteen hundred million dollars is not the same as you know when Batman Forever broke it in a weekend in like 97 or like, like a billion dollars worldwide yeah a billion dollars worldwide today is like not the same as a billion dollars like years ago there's inflation is a thing yeah and that's all i'm gonna say about that ryan reynolds was the first actor to be nominated for a golden globe portraying a marvel character weird that's yeah, true that is very true i looked it up i did the internet research I did the research for this podcast. Wow. A lot of people have feelings about the CGI Colossus. I thought it was a brilliant move because there's not a whole lot of dudes that can be Colossus outside of like the wrestling world. So the fact they did the CGI with just a voice works. Uh, you might get that with the thing. We hope we get that with the thing because that, that would be the right move. Right. Um, it was Tim Miller's first film. Uh, do you know who turned down Deadpool? Um, was it James Gunn? No, it was Robert Rodriguez. He was approached to direct, but he turned it down to do another damn Spy Kids movie. Yeah, it's nice work by you, Robert. Hey, listen. Robert needs to keep cashing those Spy Kids checks. I, I guess. I guess. The biggest cultural impact that we probably you probably mentioned, maybe, maybe not agree with, R-rated superhero movies work depending on the character, very character dependent. You don't want to do it with Batman. You don't want to do it with Superman, but you can do it with Deadpool and you can certainly do it with Venom too. Yep. So that is Deadpool. Your, your nominee. No, your inductee. My that's inductee. Word. My that's inductee is Deadpool. Yes. So my first in my inductee, the movie that I'm inducting for the first Hall the inaugural, fame, the the inaugural for the inaugural Hall of Fame movie. TV San Diego TV. State Journalism School, hard at work with the word inaugural right there. I'm putting in Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Thank you, thank you for doing that, and not like Civil War or something. Thank you. While Civil War is important, I don't know that its cultural impact is really that is really i don't know how i don't know how much of an impact it makes culturally besides it being another marvel movie in secession right. the thing about rogue one is it proves that star wars stories not about the skywalker family can be good and work and make money yes so that is the important thing and going forward if star wars is to go forward after the movie that i don't want to talk about anymore um, until we have a podcast about Star Wars, which may happen down the line. I, I don't, I don't but know if I have the mental capacity for that. It proved that you can make a Star Wars movie and people will come see it and you don't need Skywalkers or largely even Jedi. Yeah. Anything. It just broadened what you could do with that universe. And I think going forward, 
if we're to see any more Star Wars, anything else that expands the universe, I think it's we're probably going to look back at Rogue One and say, hey, this is the first one where they did that. I think culturally it's also important because I think without taking that shot with Rogue One, I don't think they do the Mandalorian, another Star Wars spinoff, quote unquote. Good that's point. not about Skywalkers and Palpatines. Like if, like if Rogue One falters, do they even try to do the Mandalorian? They they certainly don't. don't they don't certainly know. don't do Solo. That's for damn sure. They don't do Solo. That that is true. Um, although Solo was in the pipeline already. And, oh, was it? Okay. But if Solo, even if Solo had done well, it would not have. It still wouldn't have had the impact as Rogue One because Rogue One was a bunch of characters that they made just for that movie. Right. Whereas so, whereas if Solo would have been a hit and Rogue One not a hit, they would have said, oh, well, clearly people only care about these specific characters. Uh -huh. so we can only make movies about these specific characters going forward. But since it was the other way around, they say, oh, people are more invested in the universe, not these particular guys. So maybe we should focus on that direction. And we've said it before on this podcast, like we appreciate it when companies take shots and take risks. Yeah. You know, Marvel, they're out here taking risks. Star Wars universe, they're out here taking risks. Even without George Lucas, who, you know, it's it's strike out or 500 feet to the parking lot with George Lucas. Uh, DC, we said, take some shots. Take some shots. That, that's all we ask. You took a shot with Wonder Woman and it worked. Took a shot with Aquaman and it worked. Took a shot with Shazam and I enjoyed it. Take more shots, DC. Let Bruce Tim cook. You got that Hawkman movie coming? Come on now. Come on now. We know you got that Hawkman movie in the pipeline. Might be a black Hawkman, but whatever. I don't fault you for that. Television. Talk Television. Uh, the, the, the idiot box, as it's been referred to in, in the past. Uh, the chattering Cyclops. The, ch the Chattering Cyclops. I could have gone with a couple of different things here. Like There was a choice of two for me. I went with a show that had its first episode on October 9th, 2016. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Created by Larry Wilmore, who does, who's done such things as the Brady Mac show and Blackish, starring Issa Rae. I'm going with Insecure. HBO, it's Issa Rae's big break after the awkward black girl YouTube channel, which is fantastic. If you've never seen it, they're still on YouTube. The interactions with uh, Jay, who's played by Issa, and it's just people, like that show Insecure is basically interactions with, you know, it's an extension of her Jay's character on Awkward Black Girl YouTube, where it's like she's just put in uncomfortable positions. And that's what a lot, that's a lot of what Insecure is. So it's right in Issa Rae's wheelhouse. She doesn't really have to work too hard to convert from what she did before to what she's doing now. The show itself touches on a lot of topics specific to the middle-aged, working-class African-American woman, which, again, one of those things you don't see all the time. They touch on friendships, Issa's relationship with Molly, Molly played by... Yvonne Orji, I hope I pronounced her name correctly. She's like the high-end lawyer type that's kind of got like her life all in order and she's got her shit together. Uh, her relationship with Tiffany, played by Amanda Seals, like she's the married one, the family woman, all like that. 
And then her friendship with Kelly, Natasha Rock, played by Natasha Rothwell. She's the one that hasn't quite grown up yet. She's that friend that just wants to while out all the fucking time. Like everybody's everybody in the friend social group has one of those. Touches on relationships, like her relationship with Lawrence, played by Jay Ellis. The relationship with Daniel. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name because I know I'm going to fuck it up. But the whole aspect of Daniel being kind of like a booty call and like not sure what the hell she wants to do with it or anything like that. The topics on the workplace, like Issa wants to be her own woman and struggles to find her place in that world like prior to season three before she started the nonprofit. And just just the self-image as an African-American middle-aged working class African-American woman. Just the title is insecure. And throughout the series, like it's obvious that Issa is insecure about all of the above. Now I will agree. I like the show. I think it's good, but I would have to ask you. Sure. Has it really had a degree of, has it really had cultural impact to the degree that belongs in the hall of fame? I feel like, the show touches on things that hadn't been thought of from a sitcom point of view in like that R-rated kind of, ta- a lot of topics are taboo kind of thing. Like you wouldn't have a show like Insecure on like the ABC network dealing with everything that they deal with in the manner that they deal with it. Blackish is pretty close. Blackish is still kind of PG. And the it's difference, kind of the PG, difference, but the I, difference I, between, I, I'll tell you, the difference between Blackish and Insecure is it's a different setting. It's a black, mid upper class family dynamic in LA suburbs. Whereas Insecure is more one singular group of friendships, not family, just friendships in not quite upper middle class Los Angeles, but like kind of lower middle class Los Angeles. Not like Compton, Los Angeles, but not like Beverly Hills, Los Angeles either. Yeah, like Ingle, they're they're it's based in Inglewood, I believe right. the show is. And it just know, it just feels different than blackish. I agree. I, I agree that it feels different than blackish, but I will I'll have to say my particular verdict is out on that one because I would need to, I just don't know that we can assess cultural impact at the moment. I think that's fair. All right. I mean, we're, we're trying, we're trying to do it. Uh, we, we've had, we have Deadpool and Rogue One in there. So we're, we're trying to define cultural significance with these things. We're trying to, some of them are going to work. Some of them are not, but at the end of the day, again, this is our hall of fame. So, uh, the discussions are going to be between me and Teebs, not me, Teebs, and the rest of society. Moving on, uh, Teebs, you're telling... Also, um, real quick, shout out to Larry Wilmore, because I think over the last 20 years, I think Larry Wilmore probably has one of the better minds to dive into topics and scenarios that deal with African-American culture more than anybody. Maybe Kenya Barris, but that's it. All right, so I'm going to talk about a show that debuted on July 15, <laughs> 2016. <laughs> and it's a show by the name of Stranger Things. I went with Insecure mainly because I knew you were going to do Stranger Things. So why double up? <laughs> 
again, Stranger Things cultural impact is undeniable. If you had stock in Eggo waffles, you'll understand the <laughs> cultural significance. Um, if you're out here with those waffle checks, props to you. Basically weaponized 80s nostalgia. Also, I feel like there's a weird thing between this and the movie It, which I think came out two years later. Yeah. Um, this whole kind of, we're going back to this Stephen King, Steven Spielberg-ish, a bunch of kids on a journey of self-discovery thing. Right. Um, and a lot of movies, especially the, this upcoming Ghostbusters movie, seem to be using that as their template. For some reason, it feels like, and not for some reason, I mean, maybe we could talk about it now, but when you think about Stranger Things, you think about them, I think that it, it suffers from having the maximum impact it could have because all the episodes come out at once. Right. Do you think it would be regarded differently or do you think it would be big, an even bigger phenomena if it came out, if episodes came out once a week? Like the thing that we, the thing that we saw with, with uh, the Mandalorian and with WandaVision is they were able to build week after week, gain more viewers, become more of a phenomena, draw more people in as it went on week to week. I understand why Netflix wanted to do the thing where they drop all episodes at once, but I think that really hurt this series in particular. So here's what I would push back by saying. Does it really hurt if it's binged? It doesn't really hurt if you just get it all at once because a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll binge watch it and then they'll go back and watch it again to get all the tasty nuggets that they may have missed like the first time around. Like, I agree, like a week-to-week scenario, definitely in the case of The Mandalorian, it just built suspense week after week after week. So I get from that angle, like the building of suspense aspect is just done. It's just null and void. It's just not there. There's no suspense until the end of the season. I think that what Netflix did with Stranger Things... I actually like what they did there because I can consume it all. I can get it all done. And then I have the suspense factor for a whole new season of episodes. I get how shows like the Mandalorian, WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, stuff like that. The suspense is there for like six days. And then you get the new show and you're just like, okay, here's where they're going with this. But with Stranger Things, I think I personally kind of like it better when you get it all at once and then there's just this huge cliffhanger at the end and you have to wait until next season. Like, I think that's a little bit better, personally. See, I don't know. I think the way that you build a show and build interest and heat around a show is by being able to talk to it with peers, with coworkers, with friends or whatever. And because of the nature of all the episodes coming out at once, you never know at what point somebody is in the story. So you are not okay. sure what you can talk with them about. I get that. Like, that, whole, that, Soldier, that. That whole concept of like spoiler alert. Right. Falcon and Winter Soldier is going on right now. And I know um, either you're what if you're watching at what point you're at, or you're not okay. watching. So the the water also, the water cooler aspect of building yeah. like a following. I get right. that. Also, you know, you need a week to crank out those tasty memes. <laughs> dank memes. <laughs> Teams is here for the dank memes. 
He's here for the Casper money and the dank memes. That's all he's here for. But yes, yeah, Stranger Things, television inductee 2016. 2021. Our 2021 inductee for 2016. There yes. you go. Moving on to video games. This is where I kind of struggled because I tried to find something that came out that debuted in 2016. Not like a port of something that came out in like 2006, because you know, there's like the Resident Evil 5, Resident Evil 6 is on there, but they're ports of titles that were on systems before. Hey, so I really kind of struggled to find a game. So I landed on a game that released in February, on February 16, 2016. There's a multi-year wait between this game and the last game of the series and that game for me is street fighter 5 yes this game has problem um the net code for this game which is the way in which information is transferred over the interwebs so that players can play online it's abysmal it has been abysmal for some time overall it's been an okay game like just okay and i know i get it why does an okay game get into the hall of fame that's because when it comes to video games there's not a whole lot of original ip being pumped out anymore it's either ports or sequels of stuff that has come out already and in 2016 street fighter 5 yes it was a sequel but it's probably one of the, it's it's the only thing that I can point my finger at. There's one more thing I can point my finger at, but I feel like you have already chosen this and can speak a lot better to it, so I'm just going to leave it to you. Things I liked about the game, the new mechanics, the V trigger, the V skill, I appreciated that. Like there that Capcom is out here taking swings. The esports phenomenon. I'm gonna, I'm going to ask you this question. Did the esports phenomenon did that hurt or kind of help Street Fighter? I think it helped the games before this game. I think it hurt this game because so much of its development was focused on what the esports community would react to. Right, like the excitement of combos versus the reason why Street Fighter has always been so good, like the the technical craft and strategy, a.k.a. footsies, what we refer to. Yeah, basically some design decisions were made that, for better or for worse, changed the way that this game was played versus other versions of Street Fighter. So, in the field of games in 2016, it was it was kind of slim. For me, it was this or one other game, which Teeb is probably going to pick. So I'll just turn it over to him for the only other game, in my opinion, that could be inducted into the Hall of Fame. So my inductee is Overwatch. That's the other one. Released on May 24th, 2016. If you're not familiar with what it is, it is a first-person team-based shooting game that emphasizes use of different quote-unquote classes to work together to achieve a goal or achieve uh, the best outcome. Now, um, this what this game did was it combined sort of the team building mechanics from um, games like League of Legends and Apex Legends too, I guess. A no, bit. not Lee, not Apex Legends. Shoot, what's Valve's version of um, Dota, Dota? Dota, Dota, yeah. And League, um, it kind of took elements from that 
and put them in a first-person shooter arena. So even if you are not someone who would typically play a first-person shooter, there's kind of a character that does something where you can feel like you're part of the team and have right. an impact. Like there's people that just hold up shields and swing hammers that you don't really have to shoot that much. Or there's people that are specializing in healing so that you're not really a combatant. You're more out there in a support role. That concept brought to video game world, plus the incredible and extensive work Blizzard did creating the world of Overwatch and infusing yeah. each of these characters with, you know, so much personality and life. Um, it was really nothing like it before. And even though I suck ass at the game, I keep getting drawn yeah. back in yeah. <laughs> just because, you know, the lore is great and the characters are great and it feels great when you win and it feels great when you're playing with a bunch of other people online and you come together as a team and, and pull off some great team play. It's, it, it feels great. So Overwatch for me is the game to go in. This is what I'll say about Overwatch. When it comes to first-person shooter games, I've been kind of over and done with them. I've had my fill of all the Call of Duties and the uh, Battlefields and all like that. Like I'm, I'm done. Like if I want something, if I'm gonna play a first-person shooter game, it better be like something different. There are two FPSs that I play more than anything. Borderlands is one, and Overwatch is the other one. And it took me a long time to sit down and finally be like, okay, I'm gonna give Overwatch a shot because teams tell us about it all the time. Feel like I'm definitely missing out on something. Screw it. Here's 25 bucks. I'm going to pay for Overwatch. And I'll tell you this, I feel the same way playing Overwatch than I do when I play Borderlands. It's the same damn feeling. I'm not winning all the time, but I definitely feel like I'm contributing. When you play Call of Duty or Battlefield or anything like that, you feel like you're only contributing if you're making kills. No, not the case in Overwatch. You feel like you're contributing if you're getting those kills. You also feel like you're doing something if you're doing all the healing or you're keeping the shields up or you're just doing things that hope the overall team dynamic, right? That's why I think I appreciate Overwatch on that level from a video game perspective because it's just something that I've never even been able to pick up and enjoy because most first-person shooting games are pretty much the fucking same. I got bored with it after a while. That's why I love when Borderlands comes out with a new thing. That's why I love when Blizzard comes out with like different expansions or anything for Overwatch. That's why I enjoy, I guess to a lesser extent, Bioshock. But, you know, Bioshock isn't multiplayer online. But I, I like Bioshock because they're just doing different weird things. You know, Borderlands has a gun that shoots guns. Like, that's fucking ridiculous. I want wild shit take swings that's all i'm asking great all right so let's hear your character for induction into the hall of fame okay so for character the criteria is this it can be anything video game character movie character tv character whatever but again has to debut in 2016 this character debuted on september 20th 2016 and debuted on a show called This Is Us. And that character's name was Randall Pearson, played by Sterling K. Brown. Now, why is this character deserving of going into the Hall of Fame? 
similar to Insecure and Issa Rae. Black child in an adopted white family. Holy shit. Has that ever been talked about on television? Ever. Okay. The emphasis on mental health with that character. It's a topic that's almost never talked about in the African-American male community. Because the average, I shouldn't say the average, some, what is some most are just like, they just, they just tune out when they hear the phrase, oh, you might need therapy. Some True. most... Most not definitely not all, but a lot. Not something that's talked about, right? So that, in and of itself, like putting the awareness out there on the street that it's okay as an African American male to think that you need therapy and to appreciate therapy and to actively go and get therapy for like the shit that's going on in your head. Mm -hmm. Especially important these day and ages because of what black men have to go through on a daily basis between workplace uh society law enforcement all that shit some of y'all motherfuckers need therapy and you should just be honest with yourself okay like y'all some of y'all need to talk some of this shit out like for real i started therapy back in november and it has changed my fucking life and i'm not ashamed of it i'm not embarrassed by it something i felt i needed to do Fuck it. I called agency. I said, hey, I need a therapist. I need to talk to some people about some shit. Because there's this pandemic. There's all the shit going on in society. I had to talk this shit out. I'm sorry. Yeah, again, I did not... I, again, I'm not very familiar with the show, but uh, those sound like fantastic reasons. And something that, again, you don't see a lot, especially out of African-American male characters. So... Uh, to find it, but, but on the flip side, you have what Randall calls the fuckum plateau. Take care of yourself at the cost of other people's feelings because fuck them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I the the, the fuckum plateau is usually used by me at work, but hey, that's just because. Listen, Teeves knows Teeves knows about my job situation, so that's all I'll say about that. And uh, Sterling K. Brown won the Golden Globe in 2018, so. Props to Sterling K. Brown. Doing it doing it for the culture. All right. So, my character for induction into the Hall of Fame. Here we is go. El- <laughs> is Eleven from Stranger Things. Kind of knew that was coming. This character is important, number one, for representation purposes. Yep. Because in most stories, this character would not have been female. Absolutely um, not. You know, I have a little niece that was obsessed with 11 and, and just felt empowered and felt like totally, you know, all those things that I felt Cos- when I watched stuff like this when I was a kid. And, you know, I, I could see, oh yeah, she really took to this character. Can she really see herself living in that skin? And that's really cool. I was played and, as 11 at San Diego comic-con two years ago. That's true. So, for that reason, and also for just being a dope character in general. And uh, yeah, that's 11. Let me ask this question. I want to make sure that I phrase it the right way. The evolution of the 11 character from season one to where we are in season three, how has that, how do, how do you see that? And what, like, are you excited for anything for season four with regards to that character? 
So I think the character has kind of developed along, I want to say they're kind of cliched lines. And okay. It's unfortunate that the one time they tried to break her out and expand anything about her character the, got such a blowback from the fans that the, like, the the little like emo heel turn or whatever that was. No, 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 no. When she went and met the other test subjects that were living in Chicago Oh, right, right, right. Whatever, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People just hated it so much that that they're never going to I never understood that, by the way. Like, why the blowback? Why the I don't blowback? know. I don't know. But they're just never going to go back to anything like that. So the character doesn't really have any place to go if they're not going to be allowed to open it up to other possibilities. I mean, I don't know. And that's the thing. Maybe like, I just can't see it, but these, it seems like there's kind of handcuffs right now. These people are like, oh, my God. These companies want to take shots, but then like we were talking about on our fan service podcast, they want to take these shots, but they're shot down by the people that become fans of the series. And just like, Oh, we can only see this character one way. Like that, that stunts developmental growth in a character. Like there should be layers to, there should be layers to a character like 11. Right. And I feel like, I, I feel like stunting her development like that being only being able to see her in one way I think, like you said, really handcuffs what the show creators and showrunners can do with the character because it seems very linear and they can't really deviate from that line. And it just exactly. it just it just doesn't seem fair, it doesn't seem right. Like some of the best characters are like onions. I'm sorry. Exactly. Like so, some of the best characters have layers, and that's just how it is. Luke Skywalker had layers. Uh Darth mm. Darth Vader had layers. Well, it definitely had layers. It's like I, I don't I don't understand what the problem is with a fully developed character with many subtle hints and phases to her character story arc. Happens in comics all the fucking time, so I don't know what the deal is now. I don't know. I don't know. I don't get what it was about. I actually thought that was a good turn for that. I thought that was but- great the hell do i know what the hell do we know we're just we're just two guys talking bullshit we're not like showrunners or anything like that not yet not yet the uh i i will say netflix has approached us about a wonder twin series i forgot to tell you about oh, that stop it <laughs> stop <laughs> okay we get to the big one this is the lifetime achievement our lifetime achievement award this can be anything from any period of time it could be from the 1940s if we wanted to do if we wanted to. Tiva could put Scarlett O'Hara in as his lifetime achievement if you really wanted Jesus to. Jesus Christ, why would I ever He's not going to because Gone with the Wind is a racist fucking movie, but if he wanted to, he could do that. If he wanted to put LeVar Burton's roots, okay, I don't know why I keep going down that rabbit hole. I'll just stop. But everybody gets my point, right? I'm gonna have you do your lifetime achievement first because i feel like you're older you've lived longer you've seen some shit i I feel like you should do the honor as the first lifetime achievement award recipient for the teams and kid phoenix hall of fame that will be coming soon to a former blockbuster store near you the first 
First, Lifetime what? Achievement Award winner. You have more than one? Jesus Christ. No, I mean, it's the first It's the first one ever. Oh, all right. Okay. I see. I'm sorry. Jump the gun. I jumped down your throat a little bit there. I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So the first Lifetime Achievement Award will go to the film Ghostbusters. I mean, how, how could we not? We, we can literally mm-hmm. quote the movie to ourselves. This movie has a very special place in both of our hearts. We can't really get into the depth of it right now. We're saving that for a later podcast. But just, it's my number one movie of all time. There's also no my number one like movie. It. And as far as its cultural impact and what it does for me personally, feeling like, oh, all I need to do is just have one great idea and then I'd be able to hang with gods. Yeah, yeah. I like that <laughs> message. <laughs> so uh, that's why it's plus just being funny and creating characters that are amazing and just stay with you. Uh, it's just incredible. And I, I really, I'm trying to save something for. And it, yeah, we're, tra- we're, we're, podcast, we're, trying to, we're trying to save some stuff, but I, I got to ask. The, the cast is amazing with Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Aaron Hudson, Harold Ramis, the late Harold Ramis. But like we always say, the movie, it could have been John Belushi could have been in that movie, too, because that's who it was originally written for. Yeah, so like, um, imagine imagine what that movie is with Jim, John Belushi oh, yeah, versus Bill Murray. The, the script was very different when they were when John Belushi was being considered okay okay that that's true that's 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 solid the special effects of ghostbusters they they seem campy but it's 80s and the shit fucking works it's timeless it still looks good today it doesn't look too ridiculous the comedy still holds up teves thinks that it has one of the best villains of the 80s the environmental protection agency you want to talk about a layered and nuanced game, <laughs> but okay. Walter Peck. Oh, man. Just so much goodness. Like, New York in the 80s, it's like perfect snapshot. Like, it's it's just all good. And I, we're not, I'm not going to spoil any more of the future virtual Ghostbusters podcast we're doing. So we'll just keep, we'll just keep it moving. We'll just yeah. submit that to the office of keeping it moving. Yeah. And... My inductee for lifetime achievement, and I already know this is going to be controversial because it's a show that I've talked about with Tiva hundreds of thousands of times. And no, it's not Star Trek Discovery, so just relax. Debuted September 24, 2007, written by Chuck Lorre, the man behind such shows as Roseanne, Two and a Half Men, etc. It's the Big Bang Theory. Like, I'm sorry. I, I got to put it in. It's my lifetime achievement. I got to I gotta do it. Okay. I don't have hey, to. Go I don't, don't go got to do it. I don't got to do point. it. But I don't got to do it. But I want to do it. Make okay. Point. The cast. Jim Parsons. Uh, John Ledecky. Howard Raj. Penny. Amy Farrah Fowler. Later on, then Bernadette. I believe this. But every quote-unquote nerd in society associates connect with one of them if you go to comic cons read comic books anything like that you identify with one of the characters on the show i myself am a leonard for whatever that's worth 
kind of kind of shy, kind of timid, but God damn it. Like I'm fiery about, you know, certain things like, you know, Green Lantern, the character growth Teeves thinks that the, the growth is like, it's not really there, but watching season after season of Big Bang Theory, like you see Sheldon becoming better with relationships between his friends and his girlfriend, Amy Farrah Fowler. You see Leonard being able to insert himself more with his friends and family. Like he breaks that timid shell with Sheldon, combats him a little bit more. He reconciles with his mother a little bit more. Howard goes on and moves on from having a massive chauvinistic complex. Like you see that growth. You get the growth of Raj being able to interact with women. And then you just get Penny just growing up and being becoming an adult. Like all of that is there in that show. The impact, I think the show kind of help people realize a little bit that maybe it's cool to be a nerd now. It's more acceptable to be a nerd now than it was when like me and Teebs were growing up. Because when me and Teebs were growing up, we were comic book nerds in the band. We were shunned by like all of society or all of high school society. That's not 100% the case anymore. And I think think the Big Bang Theory is kind of a big part of it. 39 Emmy nominations. They won seven. Parsons won three out of four for best actor in a comedic series between 2010 and 2013. The only one he didn't win was in 2012, but I can understand that because John, John Cryer was literally carrying two and a half men by himself. So okay. that's my case for the Big Bang Theory. Now my old now my problem with the Big Bang Theory is it is a highly stereotyped vision of what nerds are. And okay. I don't think it's a very nuanced portrayal. I will admit that the fact that it is showing characters that are quote unquote nerds or into, you know, geeky stuff. Right. And that's the first time that ever happened really on television, that they were portrayed not as just the butt of jokes or as Urkels or as whatever. Right. That is, that is significant. And I think there's that, I think there's that difference. Like when you saw Urkel in the mid nineties, he was pretty much just, he was just a joke. Like that's all he was. Right. Whereas with the big bang theory, like, yeah, Sheldon and Leonard and Raj and Howard. Yeah. They're nerds, but they're not necessarily like the butt of all the jokes. And I think that's therein lies the difference. The Big Bang Theory is centered around this nerd universe, right? Whereas mm -hmm. if you drop Urkel, if you drop a character like Urkel into the Big Bang Theory, I think it works, hands down, without even thinking about it. Urkel on that show with Family Matters, where you have, you know, Carl Winslow as a police officer and Eddie Winslow, who's like this kind of jock. You have Laura Winslow, who's like the popular girl. So, yeah. Urkel in that light is going to be the butt of all the jokes. But with a show like The Big Bang Theory, it's all centered around the nerd universe. So I get what you're saying about the nuance and the stereotypes and all like that. But I think the show does a really good job of saying, yeah, it's nuanced, it's stereotyped, but we are also going to show that there's nothing wrong with being this type of person. Whereas that didn't necessarily happen with 
characters like Urkel or movies like Revenge of the Nerds. Like it's a different dynamic. Agreed, agreed, agreed. But again, I, I, have, I take particular issue with the character of Raj, who is a South Indian or a South Asian person. Right. Who is just like a non-entity. Like, okay. That's definitely true in the early seasons. I feel like um, once they got to around season five or six, then you really see Raj, that character, start to branch out a lot better. They started writing more Raj-centric shows, and it really paid off. Okay. Now, again, I do not go deep into that show just from my cursory sort of... Evaluation. Yeah. Uh, Yes. But again, that's my issue with it. That's all I'm saying. Hopefully, all right, this is the way it works. You start with a broad portrayal, and then hopefully maybe you get into a more nuanced portrayal. But uh, I and that's I don't want what we'll get. And I don't I don't want to be dismissive of what your concerns are with the show because they're definitely valid. Like the earlier seasons were a little bit rough. Like one the season one and two, there was more of the like butt of joke scenarios. But that wasn't like every episode. It was there because you know Penny's boyfriend at the time was like this real rough and tumble dude mm-hmm. and you know he he was the jock that made fun of the, all the nerds but as the show progressed it became more about the four guys in that nerdy universe and then you add Mayim Bialik to that and you add Bernadette's character to that and you add all of the like special guests that come in uh, like Bob Newhart, uh, all the Star Trek. Will Wheaton has a recurring character on that show, and mm-hmm. he's pretty goddamn good. Barry Kripke. Kripke is a fantastic character. Okay. Again, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying you should go and just watch a ton of episodes, a ton of seasons, whatever, whatever. But I think. While I agree that your stances are valid, I do think that you should watch more of the middle to later seasons to see what I'm getting at when I talk about the evolution of the characters in the show. All right. Okay. So on HBO Max, I'm just saying. All right. Is that it? Is that it? Are we we done? That's I it. We're done for the first I half of season one. We're done. Season, That's it. Season one's done. The first Time half of season one. Time to go on break. Where are we going? Let's go on break. I don't know. I'm thinking Puerto Vallarta might be good. Maybe uh, Vegas. How about how about just outside? <laughs> that would be nice. How about just outside? That would be fun, right? That would be fun. <laughs> that has been the first half of season one. The teasing kid Phoenix. We are getting out of here. We have to recharge the brain cells so that the fresh content, the fresh content continues so that when we come back, the content can continue to roll on until we return, until we return, follow, like, subscribe to the podcast. If you're subscribed on iTunes, leave us a review because that's how we feel good about ourselves. And that's how we make ourselves look good for Casper. Uh, exactly. we're, we're still coming for that. Help we're, us get these checks. We are still coming for that Casper money. We're That's getting that true. damn Casper money if it fucking kills us, okay? So help us out if here. It kills us. <laughs> um, 
we during the break, uh, we're, we're going to be working on our uh, Wonder Twins Netflix series. Like that's something we're going to have to work no, on. We will not be doing. That. <laughs> we're we're working on our John Stewart Green Lantern movie. We're working on all these things, but we're going to come back for another half season of Fine Teeth and Kid Beans content. We're just going to keep it rolling. We're just going to keep it moving. Keep it. Just going to keep doing. Can't stop. Won't stop. Uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> follow me i am kid phoenix follow me on twitter at adob royster follow teams at t follow the show teams and kid versus that's it that's, that's it. it that's the first time half. To break out time to break time to crack break. a brew that's it crack a brew it. that's it that's it it's over i mean it, it's over for now it, it's, it's over just, for now it's over for now but we'll, we'll be back but until we'll then back. until then teams and kid then. phoenix we're getting out of here. We're getting out of here. Stay safe. Stay healthy. If you have an opportunity to get vaccinated, get vaccinated for the get love vaccinated. of God. I want to see T's in California, and I'm not doing it with a bunch of you unvaccinated motherfuckers on an airplane, okay? Not doing it. So if you can get vaccinated, get vaccinated. Stay happy. Stay healthy. Stay safe. We will talk to you folks later. Peace. Later. Later.